Let me invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew, the 11th chapter. And we're going to read verses 28 through 30 in just a moment. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. I mentioned two weeks ago this passage of Scripture has been one that I have been reading over and over again now for at least two years, maybe three. And I don't know about you, but there's sometimes that a portion of Scripture, I know that God is teaching me things and speaking to me through that passage of Scripture, and every time I go to it, He does it again. And so I knew there would come a time where I would teach or preach through these verses. <clears throat> and last, uh, two weeks ago, we did begin this study. And this morning's message is entitled, A Way Out for the Worn Out. <clears throat> uh, somebody mentioned to me at the beginning of the service before we got started, they said, oh, you're preaching at me today. And I said, no, I'm preaching for you today. Because if you're worn out with the way that you're living, your approach to life, and you find yourself constantly at a very thin place in your patience and your ability to deal with others because of the pressures that you carry and that you feel, the Lord has a word for you. And whenever I sit with Scripture that I believe He wants us to preach, teach, study as a church family. My primary objective is, Lord, what are you saying to your people? What are you saying to your church? And I want to know that so that I can share that faithfully with you. And so whenever you hear a preacher, you need to understand that there's a process taking place that's beyond any kind of human process that I can manufacture. And that when someone stands with God's word to preach and teach, that in fact the Holy Spirit is going to speak. And you and I should anticipate that. We should look for that. Because it's not about the man. But it's about his word and what is God about to say to me. And so we provide the, the notes, the fill-in-the-blank sheets so that you can follow along, you can take it back and think about it and study and so forth. But in this moment, something that God wants to do is going to involve you because you're sitting here. It's going to involve me because I'm standing here. But it's not anything to do with you or with me. Ultimately, it's about what the Father wants to do and what he wants to say. And so I hope you come with that spirit of expectation this morning. Our society is one of the most driven societies on the planet. We're working longer hours. We spend less time taking breaks, vacations, or days off than any other people, I think, on the face of the planet. Last fall, researchers told us and the media published that the average work week now is something like 47 hours a week. That's the average. So you know if the average is 47, that you've got a lot of people, a lot of people who are working in excess of that. And, and so this message 
really addresses our whole culture and the way that we approach life. And Jesus has a word for you if you're recognizing that this is not working for you. This approach that you're living is not working for you. And those of you who know me, you've got to be grinning and saying, boy, preacher, preach to yourself. Because if you know me, uh, there's a reason I camped out on this passage for two years. And uh, I'm one of the worst. And uh, it takes one to know one. And so this morning, um, I offer to you what I believe is to be truth from God's word. You know, sometimes I look at a passage and I say, Lord, I don't know enough about this passage. I haven't lived this passage enough in my own life. I, I haven't experienced enough in this passage. And he always comes back and says the same thing. Preach my word, don't preach your experience. And so this morning, that's what we're doing. We're looking at God's word. And, um, and I'm very thankful for his word. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Pray with me. Our Father in the heavens, there is none like you. And everything on earth owes you praise this morning. Every one of us that breathes and every creature that lives, and even the stones and the plants, owe their very existence to you. You, the one who made us and created us and gave us life, we owe you praise. We praise you because there is nothing about you that changes. You are always the same. You do not age. And truly, there is nothing that you need, and yet you love us. And you have chosen to love us and to give us a life where we can love you in return. Forgive us for the countless days that we have not turned to you and praised you and thanked you. Forgive us for going through life in such a way that we think it all rests on us and that we've got to make ourselves something when what we most need to do is make your name great. Father, as we open your word, we welcome you here. Sometimes, Father, we have sat in darkness for so long that we don't even recognize the light when your glory shines. And this morning, we ask you to shine the truth brightly into our hearts. And we ask it in the precious name of Jesus, your Son. Amen. There are two things I want you to see in these verses that should stand out to you by now. First of all, this invitation that Jesus is offering 
is to an entirely different kind of life than the one that a person has now. When he says, come to me, he is asking you to really separate yourself from the way that you're living and to embrace something new. And it's not to a better life, it's to a whole new kind of life that he invites us to. And that new kind of life is going to mean a whole different way that you and I live tomorrow. And that we live Tuesday and Wednesday. We're going to make decisions differently. We're going to think differently. We're going to approach problems differently. And so the first thing you need to see about this is that the invitation is not to a better and improved version of what you have, but to something new, something new altogether. The second thing I want you to see is that this invitation that Jesus extends is not to everybody. This is not a universal invitation. But this is a very specific invitation to a very particular group of people. And that's what we want to explore today. When we talked about this passage two weeks ago, what we saw was that Jesus, the context for this passage is that Jesus has just rebuked the cities of Bethsaida and Chorazin and Capernaum because he performed miracles there and he preached the truth there, but they had not repented and they had not responded to him. And so Jesus narrows his focus to a very specific group of people. And this is a group of people who have heard what the religious leaders were teaching about how to live and how to approach God. And they had accepted that as truth and they had tried to live that way and they, it, they would work for a while. It, it would seem to be okay for a while that this way of life that the religious people had taught them that this must be their way to live until a problem came that was greater than their human ability to solve. And then they discovered their limits. And it might have been a, a sin habit that the religious people said, you shouldn't do that. And they encountered the sin habit and they couldn't change. And they prayed and they repented and they cried out and they did everything they could, but they couldn't stop the sin habit. Maybe it was a difficult person. They were trying to love them and the religious people, people said to love them. And they kept trying to love them. They just couldn't love them. Or maybe it was a problem in their marriage or, or something, some crisis in their life, some terrible loss, and they experienced that, and suddenly they re recognized that they were limited. And they were not able to do what the religious people said they should be able to do. At that point, they become bitter, or they make excuses, come up with some kind of explanation for why it didn't work, they wrestle with who God is and who they are in relationship to God and maybe all of this stuff isn't true and maybe they just walk away from it. Or they decide just to redouble their efforts and I'm going to work harder next time and, and I'll try again and I'll try again and I'll try again and I'll try again. But a few people who experience that sense of helplessness and limited ability to live the way that they think they ought to live. A few people in that category come to a place where they say, I absolutely cannot do it. And they're ready to quit because they recognize in themselves they're missing something. Something is lacking and it's not there. And it's exactly to that person that Jesus extends this invitation. 
It's exactly to the person who has recognized they don't have the resources to live that Jesus is talking to them. This amazing invitation is for people like that. Are you a person like that? Is that where you are today? You're tired? You're weary? You're heavy laden? Is Jesus talking to you? The answer is yes. If your life is marked by three things, we're going to look at them in this text. First, if your life is marked by weariness, Jesus is talking to you. He says, come to me, all you who labor. That word labor, the root of that word, literally describes a beating. Or the feeling like you've been beaten. Or the effort and work that leads you to feel like you've been beaten. You know, we talk about when we've worked really hard, we've had a hard day, a tough day. How are you feeling today? Oh, I'm beat. Well, that's the ancient root of this word for labor, is a beating. And maybe you feel that. But what is Jesus describing here? An exertion, a work, an effort that leads to a place of exhaustion. Now, this word normally referred to physical labor. But the problem that Jesus is addressing here is not physical. It's not something in your body. The Bible commends hard work. The Bible commends it. It says that we should do our labor, our work, as unto the Lord. We should do it heartily, it says in Colossians. The Apostle Paul worked hard. When he didn't have the support, when he was going to start a church, when he didn't have financial support, he made tents. He was a tent maker, and so he worked, and he worked hard. In 1 Thessalonians 2.9, he says, For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, we preach to you the gospel of God. So whatever Jesus is talking about here in terms of work, he's not talking about physical labor. So if Jesus is not referring to someone who's physically weary, who's he referring to? Well, at the end of verse 28, what's the word that's there? It's a word for rest, isn't it? And this word rest that he promises to give also appears in the very next verse, verse 29. He says this, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And what's the consequence of this? And we're going to study this later. But he says, and you will find rest for your souls. So he's not talking about your body. He's talking about your soul. Are you weary in soul? Now, a person who's exerting themselves to the point of exhaustion, on the outside, they're working themselves to death. But what's the real problem, Jesus is saying? It's not how they appear on the outside. It's not their physical exertion. Because somebody who loves Jesus may work hard, and, and who understands how to live life as Jesus intended may work hard. It's not about how they look on the outside. It's about what's happening on the inside. And this is a person who is exerting themselves to the point of exhaustion, not necessarily on the outside, but in their soul. Beaten, weary, tired, exertion to the point of exhaustion. I want you to see an example of this. Because when someone's doing this in their soul, they do work on the outside to the point of exhaustion. That can be a symptom. But it can also show up in other ways. It can show up as worry. It can show up as all kinds of things, not letting things go. But here's an example. In Luke chapter 5, in verse 1, listen to this incident in the life of Jesus. And our word for labor is going to show up in this passage. Okay? 
Here it is. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. This is Sermon by the Sea, not on the Mount. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled. There's our word. Same word Jesus uses here in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Can you see what happened to those men on that day? They'd spent their entire life working and trying to carve out a life with meaning to secure their lives for themselves and everything that they needed. It all depended on them. And right up until the moment they met Jesus, they had lived this way. The Bible says they stayed up all night. Why did they do that? Because they felt they had to. If I'm going to survive, I have to do this. If I'm going to make it, I've got to do this. And because they felt self-reliance, and God wasn't in the picture, what God wants to do, what God can do, what God wants to provide, wasn't even in their mind. And so instead of that, they were living a life of pushing and pulling and forcing, demanding, So what they do in this instance, they just did what Jesus said to do. They just did what Jesus said to do. And what happened? All night long, nothing. And then Jesus said to do something. Just do this. Just do this. What happened? The nets filled up. So much so that the boats began to sink. And as the nets filled up and the boats began to sink, the minds and the hearts of those men exploded because all they did was what Jesus said to do. It wasn't complicated. It wasn't that hard. And Jesus has a way of doing that when we come to him with our problems, when we come to him with our needs when we come to him with our difficulties. He cuts through all the difficult stuff, all the objections we have, all the things we say we have to do. And he says, you know, 
just do this. Just do this. There's only so much time in a day. You've been up all night, guys. There's another way. You could have slept last night. You could have slept. Just do this. Put the nets down now. Do it now. How did they respond to this new approach to life? In the last verse, verse 11, it says they brought their boats in and they promptly forsook all. (laughs) What were they doing? I'm through with this way of life. I'm through with this. I like following this guy. (laughs) Life with him is what I've been looking for. A whole new way of life. And they started to follow him. No more boats, no more nets, no more driving to secure their life. Jesus said, come to me, follow me. I got something else. So Jesus does not invite everyone to come. He invites the person who is weary in soul to come to him. But then there's another way he describes the candidates that he invites to himself. The second word is heaviness. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And this word's different from the first word for labor. The word for labor describes what you and I are doing. Heavy laden describes something that's done to you. It describes what happens when someone is loaded down or burdened down with a great weight. Or if someone is being forced to carry a great weight. And so it's passive. It's not something I'm doing. It's something being done to me. And the people listening to Jesus in context, the people standing there because of the way he taught and the way he preached, They knew what he was talking about. He was talking about the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes, and how they said to keep the law and their whole approach to God. Jesus was taking a shot. In Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 to 4, Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, and that relates to what God has said, God's word, the Bible, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. The Pharisees, the scribes, were focused completely on external behavior. How does it look? Do you look righteous? Are you acting righteous? One of the great shocks to the Apostle Paul when he finally realized that in the law it said thou should not covet. Because you can't tell when someone's coveting. You can't. It's all internal. But to the Pharisees, as a rule, it was all external. How do I look to others? So the goal of the Pharisees was whatever God said to do or not do, don't break God's law. Well, that's good. And so to that extent, Jesus said, do that. You know, whatever they said to observe, do that. But they didn't stop there. They didn't stop there. Let me give you an example. In Exodus 23, there's a rule, a commandment, that says don't boil a kid, a lamb, in its mother's milk. Okay? That, you think about that, that's really kind of a, not a nice thing to do. And he says, don't boil a lamb or a kid in its mother's milk. That's all the law said at that point. Here's what the Pharisees did with that. 
The Pharisees said, okay, you're not supposed to break that law, so what we're going to do, and in Hebrew the word means fence, we're going to put a fence around the law, around that rule in Exodus 23. We're going to put a fence around it. And uh, the Hebrew word was sayog, little fences. And they had all of these fences around every law. If this is against the law, then we're going to put a fence around it and build up all these other little rules so that in order to break that law, you've got to break all these other rules. So it says, don't boil kid in its mother's milk. So here's what we do. We're not going to mix meat and dairy no matter what. We're going to have separate dishes when we're, when we're cooking or handling meat and dairy products. We're going to have dishes for meat. We're going to have dishes for dairy. And when we eat, we're not going to eat the two together. In fact, the, the rabbis taught you had to eat dairy products and milk products, at least uh, meat products, at least six hours apart from one another. And it became part of the kosher dietary regimen of the Jewish people. The, the rule was don't boil a kid in his mother's milk. The little fences were all the little rules around it. And Jesus said, don't pay attention to the little fences. They don't even keep the little rule. They don't even keep it. It's too big. It's too much. It's too hard. They can't do that. You can't do it either. For us in our day and time, that load is similar in that it tends to involve expectations that we put on ourselves or accept that other people put on us. And that's what makes us heavy laden. It might be the sensitivity that you have to the expectations of a boss or a parent or a spouse. And those expectations are things that you may want to try to meet in order to please them, but taken the wrong way, they can become a crushing burden that you cannot maintain. It may be that you're beaten down by a sense of inadequacy, and you're always trying to prove yourself. Someone long ago said you'd never amount to anything. And you spent the rest of your life trying to meet that expectation that you were worth something and that you did matter. And that weight of that expectation is crushing to you. Or maybe you're surrounded by friends and family and they have a whole value system of expectations that when you are successful, this is where you go, this is what you do, this is where you go to school, this is where you live, this is how you dress, this is what you do for fun, and that those expectations can be crushing. Or you may even be confused by a wrong view of God. You've read the Bible, and everything that you read in the Bible condemns you, and it just gets heavier and heavier and heavier, and you're thinking, this Christian life, it is impossible for me, and the expectations are crushing you. You are heavy laden. And Jesus says, come to me. Just come to me. There's a third qualifier, a third qualification that makes you a person that Jesus is talking to you. Not only if you have a weary soul, a weariness of soul, or a heaviness of soul, but also if you recognize in yourself this morning a neediness of soul. And we see that in verse 28. The first part of the verse says, come to me. The last part of the verse says, and I will give you rest. You can have weariness of soul. You can have heaviness of soul. But you may, may, may sit here this morning. You may feel like I don't need to do anything about it. I don't feel need to change. I don't, I don't feel need to do something about it. Others of you are saying, yeah, I need that. 
I need him. I need to go to him. I need whatever he's offering because this life is not working for me. God promises you. In Jeremiah 31, 25, he says, For I will satisfy, I will satisfy the weary soul, and every languishing soul I will replenish. In Psalm 68, verse 35, The God of Israel is he who gives strength and power to his people. In Colossians 1, 29, Paul says, To this end I also labor, striving according to his working which works in me mightily. And that's a clue about where we're going. But it's a promise right now. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he promises these things. And we have these amazing promises. And if we have these amazing promises and we are weary in our soul, we are heavy laden in our soul, why won't we let go of that life? Let me illustrate it this way. Watch this. Here she goes. Okay, you think that's enough? Let's get off. <laughs> Mary Alice, you gotta let go. <laughs> Come on. Time to get off. <laughs> again, again. Okay, you ready? Come on. Put your foot up there. You ready? Mary <laughs> Alice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one more time. How's that? One more time. Woo! Oh, you gotta drive. She'll let go when she's driving. <laughs> Mary Addison, it's time to go in and take baths, girlfriend. You ready to go? Okay. <laughs> Girl. Daddy got Why do we continue to live as weary and heavy laden people? Because we will not let go of the way we're living. We won't let it go. The idea of living differently, of letting go of your sense of responsibility, and I'm speaking as, as one who wrestles with this in my own life, the idea of letting it go can be absolutely terrifying. But why won't we let it go? Jesus explains why. Let's look for a moment at Matthew 6, 28 to 30. Just listen to this. It'll be up on the screen. Jesus just picks an example. Listen to what he says. So why do you worry about clothing? Just talking about clothes. Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil, and that's our word for labor we've been using. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus is saying the same thing here that he's been saying to us in Matthew 11. Here's a practical need, clothes. I need clothes. How are you going to make, meet that need? Well, one approach, and the standard approach, especially in our culture, is if I'm going to have clothes, it depends on me to have clothes. 
It all depends on me. And I'm going to have to be self-reliant if I'm going to do it. And I've got to do whatever it takes to get clothes for myself. It's all on me. And so I push and I pull and I demand and I shove and I thrust, not only in my own life, but I can also cause others around me to be driven in the same way. And if I persist in that approach, I'm going to lay awake at night figuring out how I can get clothes. Uh, I'm going to lay awake at night because I'm trying to think, have I missed something? There's something else I can do to fix this situation, to make it better. I'm going to overwork because if I work just a little bit longer, then I can get to my goal of having what I want and what I need. And if I continue in that life, there's just going to come a moment where I'm going to be the weary and heavy laden soul. So what's the alternative? Well, Jesus here says that you and I are to be just like the lilies of the field. I hope you saw what he said in verse 28. He said they neither toil or spin. They don't do any of that stuff. Lilies don't stay up at night worrying about how they're going to fix it, how they're going to make it happen. Lilies don't do that. Lilies don't push and pull, demand. They just sit there. <laughs> and we're to be a whole lot more like the lilies. And, and what happens? Well, they grow, Jesus says. They grow, and they look amazing doing it. And, and who takes care of them? God does. God clothes them. God provides what they need. God takes care of them. And you see, Jesus is speaking that not so the flowers will feel better about themselves. Jesus is saying that to you and me. Why do you worry about your clothes? Why do you live that way? Why do you push and pull and drag and demand and drive? Why? Well, if you look at the end of verse 30, Jesus answers the question of why we won't let go in, um, in Matthew 6. He says, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? O you of little faith. Now think with me for just a moment. What's the opposite of faith or belief? If we think of it in those terms, what's the opposite of belief? Unbelief. Unbelief. I know it's early. Unbelief. Okay? Now, there's another nuance to that word that we need to capture here because it's really what Jesus is talking about. And it's not about just faith and belief. It's about trust. So let's substitute the word trust. Why do you do these things, though? You have little trust. What's the opposite of trust? Distrust. Why won't you let go? Because you don't trust him enough to let go. Because you think it all depends on you. And when you and I come to a place where we are truly weary in our soul, exertion in the soul to the point of exhaustion in the soul, we are heavy laden, we found ourselves trapped in a whole web of expectations that we put on ourselves and that others have put on us, and we are heavy laden, and we feel like we're trapped and we can't get out, Jesus says, the answer is simple, come to me. Just come to me. Let it go. Let me handle it. Let me take care of it. And just do the next thing I tell you to do. We know with our heads, people, that we are saved when we put our trust in Jesus Christ 
for salvation. I can't save myself, and so I have no choice but to trust him. Your life will change when you understand that you're supposed to live that way every day. Apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus said. There is no experience, there is no problem, there is no decision, there is nothing you can do today that you are asked to do by Jesus. He says, let me come, let me meet that problem, let me meet that need through you and in you, let me be in the driver's seat, get off the throne, let me sit on the throne, and I'll set you free, and I'll give you rest. Let me ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Do you see it now? With eyes closed, do you see it now? Do you see your problem? Do you see what you've got to do? Have you heard what he's saying to your heart? Are you ready to let it go? And this becomes a new journey, a new way of life, a whole new approach that we're studying. But the first step that we saw two weeks ago still applies this morning. Jesus says, you've got to let this go, and you've got to come to me. Are you the person who's weary in your soul? Are you the person who's weighted down by the expectations of others? Are you ready to come to him? If you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's where it begins. When you realize that you have a sin debt that you owe God, that you have offended and wounded the precious God of heaven who loves you, who made you for himself. And he made you to bring glory to himself. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we don't honor him. We don't bring him glory. We live for ourselves. We live for our own glory. We live to please ourselves and not to please him. And so when a person comes to Christ, they're abandoning. They're controlled their life, and they're coming to the Lord saying, forgive me for my sins. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. And I turn to my life, my life without God. I toss it aside, and I turn to you, Lord, and I put my trust in you. And if you're ready this morning to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he will forgive you. And we invite you to come and share that with us. Pastors and I will be standing here. We'll share scripture with you. We'll answer your questions. We'll pray with you. And if you need more time, we'll even step out of the room with you. We'll take all the time you need. We won't rush you. Then, brothers and sisters, the invitation is for a certain kind of person who is weary in soul and heavy laden. Who's going to take care of you? That's what you got to decide this morning. Who's got this? You think you can handle it? Well, carry on. But if you know you can't, this morning, in this time of response, would you come to him and say, Lord, I, I surrender all. I'm letting go. I'm not going to take care of me anymore. I'm going to trust you to take care of me. Would you talk to him about that? Father, thank you for your word, its power, your Holy Spirit present here today. Open the eyes of our heart. Open our ears so we can hear. Speak to us now, we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.